0: Jewish Audio on Chabad.org Okay, my friends. Today we are going to finish the laws of Malvah Veleva, chapters 25, 26, and 27, the 303rd Shira of Rambam. And we have but one mitzvah once again. This is a positive mitzvah. As I mentioned yesterday, we we're going to learn about who you may, or may even be encouraged to give ribbus to. Mitzvah Hakuf Tzadik the 198th Positive mitzvah of the Torah the commandment that God gave us in his Torah to extract to demand interest Minagoi from a Gentile and then we're prepared to give him our money. Why? so that we are not treating him like a member of our family. We're not going out of our way to help and support. But on the contrary, everything, there's a cost for everything. That's a cost of doing business. In other words, our relationships outside of our own family, it's a different kind of relationships. Family is family. Non-family, there's a cost. a cost of doing business. Your guy says, I'm in business. What do you want? Do me a favor. Do me a favor, dentist. Could you please drill this tooth for me? You know, it's when it's his nephew, he says, no problem, I'll drill a tooth for you. It's not a nephew. Come on, do me a favor. You know, I'm good. No, I'm in business. I'm in business. Here's your bill. You don't expect favors. You, you, you pay your way. And even Even when it comes to giving a loan, the same exact loan when you give it to a member of your family, of your Jewish brother and sister, it's a big Aveda. It's a big sin. Yeah, that's true. But when it comes to a Gentile, that Iveder, that, that prohibition does not apply. God says in the Nechri Sashik means, to him you will be users. It's a Pasuk in Deuteronomy 23, in Parshas Ki Seitzvi. la no There is the oral tradition which we have received. Shazet sivui velo This is an imperative, not something which you may, if you wish, but you should do this. Ulochicha loisashich. To the Nechri you should... Positive mitzvah to your brother. You should not. Negative mitzvah. There are different conditions, rabbinically, of how this may or may not be performed. As you'll see, this is a mitzvah that can discourage a person from performing because there is, of course, a dangerous double-edged sword to it. Now, the Ban Nachmanides in his commentary on the Chumash, argues with the Rambam very sharply, and he says, no, absolutely not. There's not an imperative, there's not a mitzvah. You may, but you don't have to. And the Minyan Hakotzer, the Raived, argues with the Rambam also, and he says, "Le It doesn't say that in those words. It says, l'noch risashich, and then it says... He said, that's not what this is. Free doesn't mean it's a mitzvah, say it just means that it's a negative mitzvah to do to your brother. And this, the argues and, and, uh, says that it is not a mitzvah, but rather it is Rishus. But the Rambam very clearly says that it is a mitzvah. So I'm going to share with you some of the details of a question that was posed by a great sage in the post-Maimonidean era. And the question was posed to the Rambam's son, whose name is Rabbi Avraham, and here is a gist, just a snippet of a long letter, just the opening volley of his question. And I will share with you just a snippet of Rabbi Avram's answer defending his father's position. So Rabbi Danil Habavli, he writes in his Sefer Nisim, he says, I don't understand this what your father wrote. He doesn't say I argue, he says I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. How he when 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 he learned the understood the sefrit to mean He says this is a direct contradiction of the gemara and bava mitzia. And the gemara over there on page seventy says marba hinei beneshav lachen dalim av Nachman. Av Nachman says it about this passage, that somebody who makes his wealth and affluence by taking away from those who are needy and by exacting payments, being the money lender, the usurer, that this is a very negative thing. And the, and the Gemara says, Ebn Nachman said, You don't need this Passover because it's an outright prohibition in the Torah. Ela filu even if it's of a Gentile. So that Nachman and the Gemara is telling us that it's not a good thing to do. And the person who made his wealth through being the moneylender and the usurer is not living in accordance with the principles of the Torah. So how could your father say it's a mitzvah? I don't understand. And this, the Gemara says clearly, if I can give money to a Gentile and make money. Interest. Or give money to my own brother and not make any money. What should I do? I should do the mitzvah. See, it says, do the mitzvah. <laughs> do the mitzvah means that the second is a mitzvah to give a free loan to a fellow yid, to a brother, a sister of Am Yisrael is a mitzvah. And that's not a mitzvah. And the Gemara says that very clearly. He says, why doesn't the Gemara ask back one second, this is also a mitzvah? And he goes on and on in a very, very long, long, long letter asking all kinds of incredible questions, of seeming contradictions between what the Rambam says and what seems to be the case in the Gemara. Rabbi Avraham, the son of the Rambam, responds, and he says like this, and this is unusual. He doesn't say, ah, it's not a question. He says, ein safek shekush yoscha kosher. It's a very powerful question. This is, it's a real knotty problem. But he says, your question as to how could it be? And it, should it be right? And why would the Torah encourage us? Really good question, she says. You're not going to push away an open verse. The scripture says it. The Pasuk says it. It says, sashich, And the Seferi says, Yes, read what it says. And what it says is what you read. You should take the interest from the Gentile. And says it says zub mitzvah Saseh. That's if the simple read of the sifri is this is a mitzvah Saseh. He says you're you're really coming in a convoluted way trying to put up a, 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 a period where it doesn't belong and a comma where it doesn't belong and trying to put a hyphen somewhere to say it's not a mitzvah say It's about that the other way is a mitzvah Saseh. He says that's not what the simple meaning of the sifri is. He says, if you read the Sifri, the Mendosh al of Chumash Dvarim, just read it straight. And for heaven's sake, if you read the Pasuk, if you read the verse, the scripture straight, the scripture is very clear. It says, Lanachi Sashich. So he says, oh, but what do you want to do with the Gemara? The Gemara is the whole thing with the it brings in this Pasuk, that says it's not a good thing, and we discourage it. So, He says, look in the Gemara. The Gemara is is talking entirely about somebody who is not a person of refined character, not a person of exceptional character, which is called Hamad Chacham. So a person who is not of exceptionally refined character was only permitted to do this enough to make a living and nothing else. The reason, unfortunately, that Jews in Europe were moneylenders is because they weren't allowed to do anything else. Because they... Anti-Semites persecuted them relentlessly, allowed them to get into no profession, and oftentimes didn't even allow them to do business without paying all kinds of ridiculous taxes. And and it's not, the shame is not that our ancestors were moneylenders. The shame is that their ancestors were tormentors and persecutors and, and ugly anti-Semites. And that was the good days when they weren't killing us. Those that were just allowing us to live, but taking our kishkas out and give, making it life so difficult. We had no choice. So he says, if you have, if you, in, in case where you, you need to make a living, so people put together a few dollars and they're they constantly turning the money around, giving loans and taking money back. And the Gemara says that a person who's not of a refined character should try to avoid doing this. Why? Because the nature is if you get used to loaning money for interest, then interest becomes for you a way of life and that becomes a way to make money. I have some money, so my money works for me. My money is making money for me. And once you do that, you can be on a slippery slope. But the Gemara says that's only for somebody who's not of an exceptionally refined character, somebody who is of a refined character. Talmud Chachem, he says, could do it. And because, because he's very refined, and he understands the differences. a nuanced situation over here. And that sometimes this is permissible, sometimes it's not, and therefore there would be no prohibition whatsoever. So he says, you see, if this Kishen, when you wouldn't have this, this, this issue, the Gemara doesn't look down on it. So don't tell me it's not a mitzvah. Say it's a mitzvah that average people perhaps can't fulfill. It's the kind of mitzvah that requires a sterling character, an exceptionally exquisite soul. And somebody's exceptionally exquisite soul can do their mitzvah. There are other mitzvahs like that. There are certain things which are appropriate in the appropriate place, in the appropriate time, in the appropriate person. And that's how it goes. So therefore, he says, the question of the Gemara is not really, a, uh, uh, it's not a checkmate question. It's a powerful question. It's a good question, but it's not a checkmate question. And he says, the bottom line is, your other question that you said to me, here we have a situation, the Gemara says, what shall I do? I can give money to a fellow Jew and not pay anything for it. Or I can give money to a Gentile and take money for it. He says, I don't understand you, Daniel, he says. if the first wouldn't be a mitzvah, what would be the question? What's the question? Should I make money and not have a mitzvah? Or should I do a mitzvah and not make money? What do you mean? Of course you should do a mitzvah. What's more valuable? Money is here today, gone tomorrow. It's ephemeral, it's, 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 oh, it's virtually meaningless. And then mitzvah is a moment of eternity. It's Gan Eden, Elam Hava. Mitzvah, there's nothing as valuable as a mitzvah. Schar, Baha'i, Alma, Lekka, there's no reward for a mitzvah. You know why? Because nothing's as valuable as a mitzvah. <laughs> so, so what is your, what is your question? If it's not a mitzvah, the Gemara's question is a moot question to begin with. What should I do? Make money or do mitzvahs? The Gemara says, of course, do mitzvahs. Oh, you can't do a mitzvah. You can't afford to do a mitzvah. Then make money. But that's not, that's not the point, says Rebbe Avram. It actually is a mitzvah. And here's the question. I can do a mitzvah and make money or do a mitzvah for free. So which one should I do? Do a mitzvah and make money or do a mitzvah for free? No, what is anybody going to say? It's a mitzvah. The first is a mitzvah. The second is a mitzvah. And the first is a mitzvah that I actually profit off too. So for sure, it's like having a cake and eating it too. Elam chatira Life is great. I can do mitzvahs and I can make money. O'michaya. The Maverick says no. You should know that even though it is a mitzvah to give the money for interest to a non-Jew, it's a bigger mitzvah to give the money with no interest to a fellow Jew. And because it's a bigger mitzvah, even though you could make money, say, well, I'd rather make money do a mitzvah, we come along and say, better, don't make the money, not because making money is bad, but because this mitzvah is a stronger mitzvah, a more powerful mitzvah. And we have examples of mitzvahs, which have a dink dima. Which mitzvah should I do first, or which mitzvah should I do second? And he emphasizes again above Brahman that the whole reason that this was prohibited by the sages, is only because we were concerned that this would soil people's character, that it would make them comfortable with doing something which is really very nuanced and very detailed and easily could be taken out of proportion. And as such, that's the reason that the Chachamim encouraged people not to get involved in this kind of business or commerce altogether. Of course, the question remains, though, so why should it be a mitzvah? Why is it a mitzvah to, to benefit off the fact that somebody doesn't have the money to do business? Why should I benefit off that? You want to do a favor, do a favor. You don't want a favor, don't do the favor. You want to say that I'm not required to do a favor, that I'm only required to do a favor for a member of the family. But somebody who's not a member of the family, I'm not required to do a favor, and I may, I may profit, okay. But I should? It's a mitzvah? Okay, it's not as big a mitzvah as giving a free loan to a fellow Yid, but it's still a mitzvah to give a loan to a gentleman, and then take you to interest from it. So what kind of mitzvah is that? Why would there be a mitzvah? Again, the Bavram defended the position. He said, the Pasuk says so. The Rebbe asks, so why? What's the meaning of this mitzvah? And the Rebbe suggests that there is a beautiful explanation for this mitzvah according to Pnimi Yishanyanim from a mystical perspective. Now listen to this. There is this principle which was introduced by the Baal Shem Tov and later augmented in detail by the Magad of Mizrach. And the principle which is rooted in, in, in the understanding of Lurianic Kabbalah and the gestalt of the universe, how the universe was initially created and then that was a meltdown and then a, a subsequent reality, that the Arizal talks about this concept of sparks. And sparks of holiness, Netsutzi Kedusha, and these sparks are embedded in the strata of our existence. And then, when somebody uses the material and the literal For the purpose of a mitzvah, then he or she channels, or harnesses, or sublimates, or extracts, or redeems those sparks. And that process of redeeming sparks, of returning the sparks to the origin, by utilizing the material, ordinary world for a sacred and holy purpose, this is called tikkun olam, which is a terminology that's been bastardized and perverted and twisted and turned to mean all kinds of things that it really never meant. You can do whatever you want, but don't put it on the Arizal. The Arizal will say to you that making a bracha on a glass of water and then utilizing the energy you got from the fact that you were able to slake your thirst for a holy purpose, elevates the sparks of holiness that are embedded in that composite of H2O. And when you took a piece of meat, the animal who was eating the vegetation, with the vegetation was nourished through the water and through the soil. And then you eat that piece of meat. And then with that piece of meat you have koyach and you do a mitzvah and you help somebody. Or you daven with fervor. Or you study Torah with passion. You know what happens? You're not the only one studying Torah. The cow is studying Torah. The hay is studying Torah. The minerals and nutrients. The water. Everything is studying Torah. And this is the concept. This is the Luriana concept of two exact sparks. So the Baal Shantaf came along based on this on this idea on this mind-blowing Kabbalistic principle. And he said, you know, that when there are sparks somewhere, it's actually our responsibility to elevate those sparks. We, as Jews who wish to serve Hashem, are, are tasked with the, the, the obligation to try to bring everything into tandem with the Hashem, to try to channel or harness everything which is within our disposal, within our reach, within our orbit. We have to bring it into our Vedas Hashem. That's our shlichut. That's our mission here in this world. And therefore, he says it will invariably happen that the sparks that are supposed to be yours will cross your path. Be- because you're supposed to elevate it. Now, if I'm supposed to elevate sparks, but I never get near the sparks, how could you expect me to elevate them? Obviously, if Hashem has a plan for me to elevate sparks, or you to elevate sparks, or any of anybody to elevate sparks, they have to have the possibility. And if and if it crossed your path and you didn't seize the moment, you lost those sparks. That possibility, that tiny piece of the jigsaw puzzle, which is made up of trillions and trillions of pieces, there's a piece that's out of sorts now. The puzzle's not complete. The world isn't fixed. And that's how, for example, we understand this idea that our father Jacob had to go across the river Jabok to get these little kalim. And his children didn't go with him, they left him alone. And that's where he met that dark monster and he wrestled all night and there's various ways to understand how that happened and what it was. And the bottom line is, why did he have to run after it? It says, pach a few vessels, a few artifacts, so, so buy new ones, a rich man, Yaakov. And you see, the kids didn't want to go. So he said, ah, dad, leave us no tired. The children didn't understand what Yaakov was, was looking for. Rashi says the most shocking thing. He says, They care more about the money than they care about the bodily welfare. It's like the canard of Jewish stinginess and cheapness that they run after a nickel. So the pshat says that Baal Shem Yaakov Avinu understood that those artifacts that belonged to him were his to be able to elevate. He had sparks to redeem. And the mameinam, which means the residuals that belong to the tzaddik. It's an obligation for the tzaddik to elevate that, to bring that closer to Hashem. And if the tzaddik leaves it behind, who will elevate it? Yaakov's mission is incomplete. He went back to get them. The children didn't understand this. They were small children. They were boys. They didn't understand the profundity, the depth of Yaakov Avinu, who's almost a 90-year-old man, what he's dealing with. He understood things. He had a whole different level of consciousness at the time. Now, let's go back to our situation. You've got money at hand. Your money could make money. Money is merely a tool. It's a vehicle. Like the Friedrich had ever said. He once said that money is like, say, geld is blotter. Money is like mud or manure. Is even worse, they said. Money is manure. So what happens? If you go to the farm and you spread it all over, it creates unbelievable growth. If you leave it in one big pile, it stinks. So the person Hashem gave money to and he surrounds himself with his wealth and his affluence and that's where it stays. So he stinks. But the person Hashem gave affluence to. And he takes that affluence and he spreads it all over. He can do unbelievable things. He can give transformational benefactions. He can build, he can build institutions. He can save lives. He can, he can change the world's destiny. Money's a very powerful thing. It just depends what you use it for. It's powerful. It's a double edged sword. It could be destructive. It could destroy. And it does destroy families all the time. Or it could be the most powerful tool agent in building the Deer of and making the dwelling place for Hashem. Says the Rebbe based on these teachings, we can understand that if there is money to be made, it's a mitzvah to make that money. Not because you want to line your pocket. If you're just here to line your pocket, like Reb Nachman says, you're just here for yourself to get it. But if you're a Talmud Chacham, if you understand that every single penny is an opportunity, it's a vehicle, it's an envelope, a convention to advance the cause of, of actualizing the divine presence within our literal and terrestrial world and bring about the coming of Mashiach, what do you mean you're not going to take the interest? It's your mitzvah to take the interest. Ah, why should I not take the interest from my fellow Yid? The answer is, there, there's no sparks to be made. The trader prohibits that kind of business, so you're not allowed to do that kind of business. That's not sparks that are available. That's not money that's supposed to be by you. What, did you take the money from one Jew? So you should have it. He, that, those are his sparks. He has to elevate his sparks. You have to elevate your sparks. You, you can't take his sparks away. Well, Ami Yisrael has a unique mission inasmuch as each and every human being is created in the image of God. And each and every human being is tasked with the ability and the responsibility of living a moral and a holy and sacred life. Tikkun Olam is a uniquely Jewish adventure. And that, the Rebbe suggests, is the mystical philosophy behind the words of the Rambam, that it's a mitzvah sasei lahashich it's an actual mitzvah, as it is written in Ochi Sashaych, like the Rambam says, neil chas ma'al v'alei the oral tradition tells us, shezoi, mitzvahs And with this, my dear friends, we conclude the laws of Malveveloyve, and we're going to go into litigation from here. The kind of arguments and discussions, how do you work out when there is an argument, when there is an argument, there is a claim or not a claim, the laws of claimants, which are um, long and difficult. <laughs> and for the primary um, thrust of them, really for all 16 chapters, we're going to be studying as you will see, one mitzvah. All these 16 chapters of Rambam are based on the fulfillment of a single mitzvah, Kephi, sheiz is as we will be Ezrat Hashem, learn about and explain in the coming days ahead.